Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. In this episode, I get to speak with Dr. Michael Landy, who lives here in Tulum, Mexico, where I've been for the past few months. Dr. Michael Landy is a chiropractor, he's an energy worker, a healer, a theta practitioner. He is a light worker of epic proportions. And he has helped me considerably with some physical and emotional energetic issues as things tend to be multifaceted, I find, and not just in the body or in the mind or in the emotions. So the fact that he is able to use his practical wisdom alongside practices that he has been cultivating over an extensive amount of time and through an extensive amount of spiritual work is really exciting in my mind as a model for the future of healthcare. I would love to see this sort of intelligence take root in more practices, in more doctor's offices. So let's get into it. All right. So thanks for doing this, especially since this is a a rarity for you, I know, to do uh, <laughs> recorded stuff. So I feel very honored. Um, do you want to start by sharing yeah. your backdrop? Because I know we were doing that before we started recording, and I was like, no, I think everybody should should be uh, privy to it. Okay. Well, hi, my name is Dr. Michael Landy, and uh, I'm a visionary chiropractor and healer, and uh, I'm one of the founders or co-founders of a project that we call Portal Shell. It's here at this beautiful cenote located eight kilometers outside of Tulum. And it's a communal living experience. We have a beautiful Waldorf school on the property. We have uh, communal meals, three vegetarian meals served a day and lots of different options for living and working and it's just an attempt at a new way of life where we live together where we share our stresses and our joys and really trying to create a new paradigm that's more connected and more healthy than the one most people find themselves living in right now so we're here outside of Tulum if you want to come and check it out I'd love to have people who are like-minded to uh, to come for as long as they feel like and kind of spread the seed spread the seeds of a new way of life and a, a new more cooperative uh kind of way of being with each other cool and we're totally I, we definitely need to get into the actual work that you do because it's amazing but i'm curious if there's a way for people to connect just about the the property is it like on facebook or yeah there's a facebook uh page that's called portal Ishel. P-O-R-T-A-L-I-X-C-H-E-L. Ishel, if you don't know, is the goddess of uh, healing and childbirth in the, in the Mayan world. So, oh, cool. you know, that's kind of the energy that we want to bring in here. There's usually lots of kids running around. And it's, it's very wholesome and uh, uh, really connected. Oh, I kind of wish I'd known about that. That's awesome. Maybe next well, time. Maybe for your next trip down. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So I met you because I was having some issues with my neck, I think it was, and maybe my my knee. But I think I came to see you for my neck because I didn't think I could come to see you for my knee. So 
but turns out that you do mm -hmm. a lot more than most chiropractors. So um, I'd love for you to explain that to everyone listening. Okay, well, I, uh, I was trained as a doctor of chiropractic and I came from a background that was heavily in the, the in movement and martial arts. So I already had a very expansive view of the body and how it worked and how energy moved in the body. But it was, it, was, it was limited to kind of, you know, Chinese medicine theory and looking at the nervous system through the skeletal structure, which is standard chiropractic. Now, a lot of people don't understand chiropractic. They think that it's for back pain or uh, they think that we're some type of like carpenters who fix your bones. When in reality, the, the, the philosophy unique and strong and beautiful and it's a very vitalistic philosophy and the philosophy to sum it up in a in in you know a few words because the original founder of chiropractic wrote volumes and volumes on this but the original philosophy is that there's a universal intelligence that gives everything its own innate intelligence and its own innate intelligence is its form of expression this innate intelligence comes from above down, travels down your spine and then inside out. So the spine is the channel of innate intelligence for the body. When you have restrictions in spinal movement, when you have pain, when you have bad posture, it's very significant because it interferes with this transmission of innate intelligence. And when we restore our posture, when we restore our movement, when we restore the segmental uh, motion in the spine, it allows us to express our innate intelligence more fully. Now, that means that, 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 and we can express that however we need to express it. It can be a spiritual journey. It can be an artistic journey. It can be a journey into the world of entrepreneurship and business. It can be athletics. But whatever it is, if your spine's functioning right and your nervous system is unimpeded, you're going to be able to do it better and express more of who you are. And that's the message of chiropractic and that it's, that's its real beauty and power. So it's really like a... a whole body, whole system tune up so we can connect more with the universal intelligence that surrounds us. So if we take that as the basis of what I do, you can apply that, uh, that philosophy to everything, but I've just tried to make it as expansive as possible. So a lot of chiropractors just work on the spine. I began expanding out by working on what we call the extremities, the arms and the legs, you know, the shoulders, the ribs, because even though everything is controlled from the nervous system, out the spine, down through the nerve, the peripheral nerves, everything also affects the spine. So if you have a foot that's not moving right, it's going to twist your pelvis and that's going to cause interference in the spine. So that was kind of my initial philosophy. Um, I worked with the cranial sacral fluids, uh, cranial sacral therapy before I became a chiropractor. So I incorporated that in, but it was taking this idea of blocking your innate intelligence, blocking your vitality, which is the basis of chiropractic and expanding it as much as I could. So now I've been practicing 15 years. So, so the, the breadth of what I do has gotten a lot bigger and I try to incorporate as many things as I can with it so it's not just adjusting your feet so your your pelvis stays easy and 
even checking your ribs. So we make sure that when you breathe, you're taking a big, huge, full breath and really expanding yourself with oxygen, filling your lungs with oxygen, and at the same time, expanding your heart chakra and reconnecting with the field around you. Um, but I try to go into nutrition. I try to, to guide people towards proper thought forms about health and creativity. Uh, I've started to really getting into some of the biohacking technology and even working with, uh, with some anti-aging stuff and some, a lot of biome restoration because the gut is so important. So, but I think what really makes it special again, it's, so there's lots of people doing these different things is this understanding that we have an innate intelligence and we're all, when we're feeling good and when we're feeling unblocked and unrestricted, we express this innate intelligence to the highest level we can. And so it doesn't matter if you're trying to free the innate intelligence by giving singing lessons, or if you're trying to free the innate intelligence by, by changing nutrition, to me, it's all the same work. So I hope that answers the, the question you asked me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it might. That's so fascinating because it sounds like you were actually practicing original chiropractic and it, I mean, it, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like chiropractics as most people know it is sort of like a kind of watered down from the original spiritual message of it. Yes, very much. So it was, uh, you know, chiropractic, the, the profession of chiropractic, the worst thing that ever happened is that we started being paid by insurance. Mm. Because as soon as insurance started paying chiropractors for back pain, they started focusing on back pain instead of focusing on the system. And it made that there's a very strong, uh, you know, part of the, of the uh, profession that really wants to be recognized as legitimate doctors in the eyes of the medical establishment. They want to be able to bill insurance for more. Some of them even want to start prescribing medications. And this is completely against what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about, again, a energetic system for freeing the vitality of man so he can live to his purpose at a, and she can live to her purpose at a higher level. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, the right now the profession is really divided, yeah. and a lot of the, mm. the 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 stronger voices in the profession, the bigger practices, tend to be more on this medical side, because a lot of the ones who are really connected with the original message don't care about politics. They don't care about they they don't they they're busy seeing patients and trying to help them and heal them and connecting with the people around them, and they're not really concerned with the. Uh, with the inner politics of the profession. Yeah. I put myself in that category. I couldn't really care less what they're doing at those meetings. And there are also some very good organizations in the profession that try to stay true to it. Um, within chiropractic, there's a term that says called principled chiropractic, a, a principled chiropractor. And one of the first things that Didi Palmer wrote were, was the 33 principles of chiropractic. One of those principles is that uh, innate intelligence comes from universal intelligence. So they, they go along that line and there are very strong uh, associations within the profession that try to, to promote the original philosophy. Personally, I think the original philosophy is beautiful, but I think it's very limited because they, they only look at the spine. And there's so many other things that can limit our expression, limit our innate intelligence. So why limit? 
why limit it to the spine? Now, if you have a choice between healing by looking at yourself and your spine and your habits versus trying to heal through pharmaceuticals, it's way, way, way superior to, to take the former path to work through the spine. I just believe there's so many adjunctive things we can do to help the, the process along and go deeper with it. Yeah. Well, I know for myself, I didn't even realize where my knee pain was coming from until I started working with you because you looked at my arches and my hips. And that was real. That also sort of led me to my own realization of an injury I had had years prior. And I could actually feel it in my body, which was, which was interesting. Cause I had, I haven't done chiropractic. Um, I haven't been getting chiropractic care for very long, but you know, when I would go in, it would be like, I think I even asked you, I was like, is this sort of like the, you know, 10 minute crack crack session. And you were like, well, no, it's a little bit different. Um, but so I, I really appreciate that. And I wonder what was that, was that sort of like, um, a thought that you were having while you were going through the practice of learning about chiropractics, or was that sort of an epiphany you had later? Was there some event that happened or was just always kind of in your, in your sphere? Well, one in the beginning, I was very, uh, anatomically and physiologically based. And I, you know, I believe, you know, I knew, like I said, I'd worked a lot with Tai Chi and Qigong. So I was familiar with, with some energy flow patterns and, and understood them, but it was still very much more of like a, a physical, physiologically based practice. Now, because of my experience as a martial artist and Kapolista, um, I looked at the whole body. Like I, I realized, like I was never limited to the spine. So sure, I would have checked your, your foot and your knee and your breathing and everything like that. But in the last five years, I've had uh, some really amazing ex- events in my lifetime that have really uh, opened me up to the world of energetics and um, the underlying unifying field that connects all of us and the fact that we have access to this and we're energetic beings. And I've added that to my work in the last five years. And mm-hmm. that's something that when I first started was completely out of my, uh, my practice paradigm. You know, I didn't think if you had asked me, my opinion would have been, I don't know, I guess, so. you know, I never rejected these things, but I also didn't have a, a personal relationship with them in the beginning. Yeah. In, a, in my first session with you, you, you did like a longer, I'm assuming this is, this is what you do for, for everyone. Cause you have like a, an initial session, right. And you did kind of a longer energy work session at the end. And I cried. It was very, it was very purging. Um, but you do this thing where you, you whistle. And I, I wonder if you can talk <laughs> to people about your, about your methods. Cause they're, they're very, it was very soothing and I don't know. It's hands-on in a way that sometimes energy work is not, you know, it's, it's not necessarily you're just feeling the energy, but there is also sort of like a touch connection that you, that you make. Well, I started uh, doing energy work about five or six years ago. Um, and I never really studied it, you know, like, it, like there were different things that come field just through through working as a healer and working with people and being in Tulum which is such a you know uh, uh, 
energetic vortex. It's easier to come into contact with these things down here. But so about five or six years ago, a series of events led me to, to start working with energy. And I started doing it very intuitively. I've never really studied. Well, now I have. Now I've taken some courses well after the fact of when I started. But when I started, I never really studied anything. I just started feeling energy and moving energy. Um, and the whistling is completely intuitive. I don't decide to do it. I don't decide the tones. It just is when you're doing energy work, you really connect with, with when you're really in a connected state, you can feel the energy. So these tones will just flow out of me intuitively. And I feel like they're moving energy. Um, the tones are matching what I feel like. Sometimes they're very shrill and, and, and almost harsh, like something needs to be forced out. And other times they're very soft and soothing. Uh, people seem to be very, very affected by them. I get a lot of people asking me questions and you know, that's my usual answer. I do it intuitively and I feel like I'm moving energy um, and I'm just matching what I'm already feeling. So, so that's what the whistling's about. The energy work in general, part of the reason why it might feel so connected is I figure in the last five or six years, I've done 10 or 12,000 energy work sessions. Um, they're short ones, uh, but at the end of every appointment, I'll do five or 10, five or 10 minutes of energy work, sometimes more. Uh, and so if you, you average seeing 50 people a week for five years, that's 12,000 sessions or something like that. Um, so, so again, it's a lot of practice and I consider myself so blessed and fortunate that my lifestyle was already established that I could just get that much flight time that quickly uh, because I really think that's a lot of the reason, just the experience with the body and now with energy work, I think is why the, the sessions are so powerful. I also think there's something about opening up the physical form first and clearing it of as much resistance as you can and then doing the energy work both on a level of connection between the person given giving and receiving and uh and on the uh the internal workings of not having the physical resistances in your body um For sure. yeah was there anything else in the question i feel like like there was something else that i'm missing that you asked me no, I was just asking you about the, the sort of how you developed Oh, yeah, your you were also, say, also saying it was, with, yeah, that's it, the hands-on. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, to me, it's all energy work. So what I do when I go hands-on during the energy work is I'm just bringing your own awareness to the spot. Mm. And people who are really uh, sensitive can feel it before I touch them, but some people don't. So if, again, I'm trying to match the tone I feel there, but when you're in that super... Uh, connected open state of mind that most people go into when they're receiving energy work is that usually they really go inside and really start working um, uh, you know they, they really connect through it and they really start to feel everything so if you add a little touch into it all of a sudden I'm teaching you about your own body I'm teaching you where you're storing blocked energy I'm teaching you where where you know, where you have to learn to release with your breath and your thoughts and your mind. So it's all part of the same kind of uh, interactive experience, the interactive tour that I'm taking you of your, of your own energetic body 
during that part of the session. Yeah, I've, ne I've never had anything like it. It's really, it's really an amazing, <laughs> an amazing um, thing, yeah. Um, I, Those were just little school kids running I up. figured, I figured, I, I've had my kids hop on to so many of these. <laughs> They're not here today though. <laughs> Yeah. I, I wonder too, like, <clears throat> as I was just thinking, I'm, I used to do a lot of, um, like group, uh, kirtan, like mantra, you know, that's, that was how I got started in the, the energy, you know, music world. And when I would, when I would be leading, most people would come in prepared for what was about to happen. And then a few people would be like, you know, dragged by their friend or something. And, they wouldn't quite know what they were in store for. And I wonder if you have, cause I'm guessing most of the people who come given that they're in Tulum are like ready for what you're about to do. Have you ever had somebody be like, well, mm, I just wanted my spine craft. <laughs> a couple times, you know, like uh, surprisingly, no one's ever said they didn't want the energy work done. Some people are like, well, I don't really know what that is sure I'll give it a try but everyone's open to it and I really think almost all the time it's like a gradient of what you can feel too so the people who are completely unready for it you know unprepared usually don't have a, a, as a powerful of experience of, as someone who's really familiar with that type of world and that type of work um, okay. occasionally it happens and people are like wow or they'll break out crying but usually you know, it's like an, an opening for the patient too. So if it's, if it's their very first experience with that, and I don't mean just energy work, it's like, you know, if you can find it through the same type of space through meditation, some people find it through kirtan, some people find it through tai chi. There's a lot of different things that kind of build our energetic activation and awareness. So it's not just about having received the work, but again, usually when you've never received it, you don't have as powerful of an experience as when you've already kind of developed those pathways. Okay. There have been a few though, who just were, you know, had these uh, emotional releases and just started crying um, or, you know, reliving old memories and were, were pretty, uh, you know, amazed by it. Uh, just the other day, I had someone who went into a two-day healing crisis where they couldn't get out of bed after a session, um, which was a little scary for both of us, but it was pretty obvious that he was releasing trauma that was deeply hidden, and it was kind of unexpected, but he worked through the process and ended up feeling better, way, way better than he had before. So all these things happen, and it's kind of like uh, sailing into the unknown sometimes. But in general, people don't receive more than they can handle. How did you end up in Tulum? Because you've been there a, a long time, yeah? Well, at first I lived in Playa del Carmen, and I would still come down to Tulum a couple of times a week. But when I moved down here 13 years ago, Tulum, there was really nothing. And, uh, you know, I had two young children who I wanted, a, a, you know, some type of a school for them. And Tulum was, didn't have a big enough population to support like a full-time chiropractic practice. So I lived in Playa at first. Playa was beautiful then. It's still a lovely place, but now it's more of a city. Um, and because it's a city, the central beaches aren't as, as nice as they used to be. It used to be this beautiful little seaside town built right on the beach. Mm. Um, so, 
the beach was really a part of your everyday life, unlike here in Tulum, where the beach is, you know, five kilometers from the town and the tourist section is very different from the, is very separate from the, from the Pueblo. Um, so I came down here because I had been, the first time I came to this region was 1994 when it was wild and beautiful and I fell in love with it and kind of always planned on moving down here. Then when I graduated from school, I started a practice in San Francisco and I had two young kids and uh, the practice in my eyes were, was going really well. It was full. I would, people were really healing and changing. Um, I was making what I thought was a lot of money, but you know, I just didn't see how it would work in San Francisco unless I really changed to more of like the insurance based model where I'm just, you know, really only worried about how much income's coming in. And I didn't want to do that. Uh, just San Francisco is so expensive. A family of four, you know, I just found, even though I seemed like I was making a lot of money, I found myself going deeper in debt every month, living a simple life. Mm -hmm. So then we came down here on vacation and I met a woman who ran a nonprofit called Angel Notion that delivered uh, medical services to locals. And she and that, you know, that uh, unfortunately, she made a lot of promises she didn't keep. Um, but it served to get me down here. And once I was down here, I was connected with the community. And uh, now it's been 13 years. Um, so, you know, I really enjoy it down here. I, you know, about five years ago, I moved from from Playa to Tulum full time when my kids went back to the U.S. for high school. And uh and yeah, now I'm here in its history. They told me that I was crazy when I was fresh out of school with a ton of student debt, two little kids, and I decided to move down here anyway and practice, you know, without a, without a license, without protection, without support, just totally um, free. And I'm so glad I did it. I really think that if I had stayed in the U.S. and California, uh, I would be a very different person. And I don't know if I'd feel as balanced and uh, connected as I do being down here. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah. so Tulum is new, but you do you live like in this? Because this doesn't look like in Tulum, but it, well, th Tulum? this is eight kilometers from from the crossroads that leads to the beach. Oh, okay. So eight kilometers is about five miles. Um, so I think technically we're still in Tulum, but we're on the outskirts off in the jungle. Yeah, I got you. Because um, most of Tulum doesn't look like that. <laughs> no. That's pretty cool. No, it's, it, yeah, like I said, we live in the suburbs and yeah. uh, development's coming, unfortunately, at a rapid rate. But right now we still have a little piece of paradise. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing about Tulum is just how quickly it's it's um growing it seems there's construction almost everywhere everywhere it's kind of like the noise that you get yeah. used to yeah yeah even out here there's a big development going in in front of us closer to the highway and they're clearing out roads further into the jungle that looks like it's going to be another type of a uh, development plan community uh, so really, I think that within the next years, it's going to grow in the next 10 years, it'll grow to the same size as Playa del Carmen, or, you know, hopefully they'll do it with the, 
you know, a little more uh, concern for the nature and concern for the infrastructure than they tend to in Mexico. But it's, you know, really one of the sad things about coming down to a piece of paradise like this and then seeing it change around you. And you can't really blame anyone when you're a part of it. But it's too bad that, uh, that this tends to be the way things get, get developed in these beautiful tropical countries. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's either one road towards extreme exclusivity that might keep the nature more intact, but then there's a lot of problems with that, with the gentrification and the exclusiveness and who have access and the issues of colonization. Um, or when they grow into big cities, the environmental decay is, uh, is really sad. It's heartbreaking to watch it happen. You know, there's a lot of people here who are concerned of it, and there's a strong environmental movement here. Um, so there's still hope, but unfortunately, you know, when money and, and progress are on the other side, it's very hard to, to really protect the environment and the, the uh, traditional lifestyle that existed here before that. Yeah. But that's also we'll the see. whole idea of this community project. If it's enough of us can realize that we that it is possible for us to live in community if it is possible for us to maybe escape the matrix somewhat if we can set up these communities that reflect values that are important to us rather than values that are that are imposed on us and that we feel like we can't survive or thrive if we don't follow um that's one of the answers that could really help to uh you know solve this paradigm problem between you know comfortable living situations for human beings and honoring and respecting the environment. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. It's, it's nice. I mean, it, it's nice to come back to that realization of, of living in community. That's something that I um, really miss about my, my past because I used to live in an intentional community. It's definitely healthier. Um, I, I, we have a little bit more time and I, we haven't touched upon your theta healing work. And I did want you to talk about that one, because I did a podcast with my friend who, who, who talked about theta healing. So I'd love to hear your perspective, you know, so people can listen to both and kind of um, hear different perspectives on it. Um, but the other thing oh. is that, oh, sorry. I, I just want to say one thing because what really, what really touched me, well, there were a lot of things that really touched me about my session with you, but um, what really touched me was when I explained to you what I wanted to work on you said to me, well, these seem like legitimate concerns and not limiting beliefs. <laughs> and I think so much of the time when people, when, you know, coaches or, or things work with people, there is a confusion between like things you actually need to take action on and, you know, solve in a real way and, and belief structures that you need to work on internally. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay, well, you're definitely right. And our belief structures inform and guide how we react to, to the physical world around us. So they're Absolutely. definitely connected. But sometimes when you shift your belief structures, you might shift how you see the concerns and you don't have to take action on them as much. But there are also real world concerns that need to be taken care of. And it's not just about your, your, your belief structure. So I think it is important to separate the two. Um, you know, I'm very practical and pragmatic and I like things simple. So this reflects in how I um, approach theta healing. I 
also tend to co-modify anything I do to fit into my paradigm. So I don't want this to be taken as any type of talk on theta healing, the way it's supposed to be done, the way the, the right. named trademark technique is taught. Um, I took a couple courses. It's the latest addition to my offerings. I did, did the courses about a year ago and they were amazing, but I'm not a theta healing instructor. And, uh, and I'm not even saying that I'm doing it step-by-step step the way it's supposed to be done. But with that being said, it's an amazing uh, system whereby we, we put our, we use guided meditations to put ourselves into theta state. Theta state is a brainwave state that, uh, that we go into when we're in peak experiences. Also, interestingly enough, children spend a lot of time in, in theta state, children under the age of seven, which is when they're the most programmable. So using these guided meditations, we put the subject into theta healing, and then we just uh, issue decrees or statements or proclamations to change their limiting beliefs. The limited, how we come up with these limiting beliefs, that's more like a, uh, it's a conversation. It's a little bit like psychology, although again, I'm not a licensed psychologist. Um, and we just start talking and we dig a little bit. And what I usually tell people before the session is think about what you, some starting points for our conversation on, on limiting beliefs. And those are starting points because usually we hide our limiting beliefs from ourselves a little bit, because if we didn't, we would have fixed them. So usually where we start is close to what the person really needs to change. It's in the general direction, but it's not right there. So we have to talk a little bit. We have to dig a little bit. We have to come up what it is, with what it is. I use a lot of muscle testing or applied kinesiology um, in my practice. So I use that to kind of guide us towards what beliefs we're going to work on and reset. Uh, I find it to be an amazing adjunct to the work that I already do because sometimes you hit blocks and those blocks are more psychological or energetic in nature than than physical or uh, physiological so this is a great way for uh, for the for the the patient or the client or the subject or whatever term you want to use to examine their own belief structure and maybe get some insights into how they're blocking their own healing or self-sabotaging. Um, so yeah, theta healing, like I said, it's the latest thing I've added into it. I love it as a, as an adjunct and it's very expansive. You can do amazing work. Like we just did, had our first session, but eventually you can get into healing your family lineage or, uh, reversing the womb trauma and the womb, the, the trauma that, that your mom, that, that all your mothers and grandmothers went through in the womb. You can reach out to your, to your guides and guardians and find out who they are. Um, again, it's so multi-layered because again, we put, when you go into theta state, it's the most direct way to reprogram your own consciousness. Mm. Um, and that's a very, you know, like some would say that that's really all that matters. You know, if you, everything we experience is through the lens of our perception and our brain. So if you say you don't have pain, you don't have pain. If you say that you're happy, um, well, that gets complicated. <laughs> but if you say that you're happy at some level, you're happy. So, you know, again, there were multi-layered beings, but are, we really do live in our own 
in our own simulation. We really do create our own reality. So do we want to create that reality that's connected and where our energy is flowing uh, freely and we live in a state of trust and we, we, we were enjoying helping others and all of this beauty that makes the, the underlying connecting field stronger and more palpable in our life? Or do we want to live in one of fear and disconnection and isolation, which is not how human beings are meant to live and it's not how we thrive? And so again, I think theta healing is a very powerful tool for helping people to reconnect with, uh, with, with everything we want to reconnect with, with ourselves, with our partners, with our families, with our communities, with the, with the beauty of nature. Um, and again, it's just a way for us to remove our blockages and reconnect. And it's, uh, it's a lovely technique. Yeah. And when you were talking in the beginning about working with people, not just on the energetics and the spine and the extremities, but on their thought forms. So this is, this is a, a compliment basically to your, to your work that you do with people's bodies and, and energy, would you feel? Yeah. I feel like it's one of the missing links. Like, yeah. uh, like the way I do, I, I, the, I believe the more techniques you have at your disposal that fit into your philosophy, the better. So this fits perfectly into the philosophy that I feel. Um, and, uh, and yeah, to me, it's just an extension. Like, like, I, like, like things that don't fit into this philosophy of removing blockages and upgrading the whole organism at baseline. I don't practice. I don't treat symptoms. I don't, uh, you know, I don't treat symptoms and I don't isolate. I try not to isolate one part of the system. So for it to fit into my practice, it needs to be the same vitalistic philosophy. Um, because really, to me, health can be defined as how much vitalism do you have? How much, you know, it's not just about a lack of symptoms or a lack of pain. It's like, are you living your purpose? Are you feeling vital and, and healthy and able to follow your dreams every day? Are you doing what you want to? Or do you feel blocked? And so if we're, when we're living a fully vitalistic, healthy life, we're doing what we want to. And we're, we're expressing our innate intelligence and our you can. Uh, and our unique gifts on a daily basis. One of the things that hasn't ever happened to me before in a session with somebody was when you pinpointed the limiting belief that we were going to work on through the, through talking and the muscle testing, I felt like a, an emotional tie to it. Like a, like when somebody hurts your feelings, you know, not in a bad way, but like, Ooh, that felt, you know, Ooh, that felt close or that felt harsh, you know, um, which, yes. which I realized meant that that was the one, but I'd never had that happen before. Yeah. Well, that's more about you. I mean, that, yeah. that's, that's the type of reaction you would help for, you would hope for. And, uh, you know, I wish I could say everyone has it, but that's your own self-awareness, which is mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, and I think it shows that we did really hit onto what the, the beliefs that were limiting you are, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, again, it's about how aware are you, how, how ready are you to face some things? Some people have very powerful, immediate reactions. Other people will have their reactions in a week or 10 days after it, uh, after it integrates, some people need several sessions. Um, you know, looking at yourself isn't always easy. So. 
you know, it's, it's just another tool to guide people through their own personal processes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that you want to share before we close up? Did I, did I miss anything or? No, that was all beautiful. You can, uh, if you want to know more about the work I do, like I said, I do some adjunctive stuff like peptide therapy and supplement programs that are, uh, all of that's available at, on Instagram at Vortex Vitality Tulum. And, uh, and you can find me there. Um, So yeah, please reach out if you have any questions and I'll be happy to talk to you all about this stuff later. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, Porter, for having me on the podcast. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, thanks for breaking the virgin, my podcast virginity, because <laughs> I always try to seem to do these things or get invited to do them, but it never quite works out. So now I'm glad to say it yeah. did. And uh, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. I'm so and glad I, you. I wonder I'm if so you can hear you... the. Uh, Oh, I was just going to say, we even have construction noises out here right now. Maybe you can't hear them because of the, uh, the headphones, no, but no, can't. yeah. Zoom is pretty selective about what it, it picks, but I was just going to say, thank you so much for coming. This was, was super, uh, super fun to chat with you and to hear about all the modalities that you practice and your philosophy, really inspiring. Um, I will share the links that you shared both for your community and your Instagram in the podcast notes. So people can just click on them. So you guys can do that. And um, if you're ever in Tulum, look him up because it's like nothing else you've ever, you've ever done. And hopefully you'll have some online offerings at some point. I'm, I'm hoping for that so that people all around the world can benefit from from your healing work, it's uh... yes, it's coming soon. There's lots of there's going to be lots of growth and expansion and building on the beautiful work that everyone's already doing because the world is definitely going through some type of massive change right now, and together we all have to shape it, um, or else someone else will, and we won't <laughs> like that. Totally. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing on the platform of your choosing and leaving us a comment. This helps considerably for all the algorithms to figure out just how valuable it is. Thank you for participating. To keep in touch with me and receive updates, please sign up for my newsletter at portersinger.com. You'll get a free download, updates on my self-healing sound courses, workshops, and other community building events that I'm creating. Have a beautiful day.